Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshop. Homeschool Your Way. I'm your host, Jana Cook, and Bookshark's Community Manager. In today's episode, I am joined by Adelaide Olguin. She is the creator of TalkBox.mom, which has families talking in a foreign language in the same day they start. But the most important part of Adelaide's day is homeschooling her boys. We all know that homeschooling has highs and lows. So Adelaide's going to share with us some of her recent highs and lows traveling around the world and homeschooling her boys. So let me introduce you to Adelaide. Hi, thank you so much, Jana, for having me on. I'm so excited to talk with you about the highs and the lows and all the trauma in between. (laughs) Now, Adelaide, do you consider yourself a world schooler or do you consider yourselves homeschoolers who happen to travel? I would say we're a bit of both. It just depends on the time of year. So we'll be doing home, we'll be homeschooling at home and then we will be homeschooling or world schooling other places. So I, I, I just, I love that Bookshark has books that you read that you go into because then we'll go to those places and, and see that out as well. But sometimes we do that from home and then we go somewhere. Does that make sense? So there's like a nice, a nice balance. Um, this year, so far for this year, we've gone to France, Mexico, Costa Rica, and then Mexico again. But then we're also guys, in Dallas, Texas. Which is a country in and of itself, I hear from those who live there. <laughs> that is true. Dallas has incredible food and just a wild, a wild fun culture. I mean, we're close to Fort Worth, so we get to see the stockyards and all that. Very exciting. For those who are unfamiliar with who you are. Just quickly explain what TalkBox.mom is so that we have a good base to jump off of when we start talking about the uh, accelerated steps to failure so that we can succeed. Okay, awesome. So TalkBox.mom, like you said, we help families to start talking another language the same exact day you start with our subscription boxes and companion app with the native speaker audio. And what we do is we help you create a language immersion environment in your home so that you're using full sentences, talking together, and you just keep laying the foundation of the language uh, through fluency. So you're on the path of fluency. Now your three boys are fluent in how many language? So we speak on a regular basis, Spanish, German, and English. And then because we were in France, we had like a, a kickoff for French to get them excited about it. And it worked. It was so good for when we go to another country, like we do a language trip part of, well, the word education comes from the word adduce, which means to draw forth. And so instead of trying to pack in information, we're trying to entice and love on our kids and reward them and do different things, things in that area. So when we plan a language trip, I, I look for like, hmm, how could like I entice them to want to speak 
French. What would it have to take? Because they're like, mom, another language, right? So uh, croissants was up there. But one of the things is they really love rock climbing. And so we found this thing called the Via Frada. It's like rock climbing, but you have a cable that's already set up and an area to climb that's kind of designated with um, these metal, like kind of like a metal ladder that you follow throughout. So we hired this guide, his name was Patty. He was a very tall French man. And so he took the boys and my husband and I, we went out with him. And when they got to a bridge, my 10 year old was a little scared. And so Patty started bouncing the bridge up and down. Horrifying, right? And so, and then he told my son, it's funny, right? And then he tried to get my son to do it. And finally, my son was doing that. And I was like, what is happening? And so he's not, my 10 year old's not scared anymore. And he loves rock climbing so much, but we've had to have him be rescued from up high <laughs> several times, you know, like we'll get into spots where we're like, uh oh, <laughs> this is happening, even though he loves it so much. So Patty is having so much fun with them and encouraging them to do things. And he works with the French government to help kids who are very unhealthy to be able to go out on Via Ferratas during the summer. They like do a camp for, for kids in France and just really help them to get outside and to enjoy being out the outdoors. So it was no problem for him to like drag our 10 year old along. And we got to routes where we were inclined like backwards, horrifying. And I kept like imagining myself at the park as a kid falling from the monkey bars, you know, I was very scared, but we made it through. We did some really scary stuff, but they love Patty. They love that experience. And they're like, mom. Oh, and there was horseback riding there. And it was like, I don't know, $30 for two hours in the Alps. Are you kidding me? Right? Like, what is this? So we're like, let's do that. So now my kids are like, we want to go back there. We want to speak more French. It was just it was a really good way to entice them and it was also very cost effective because it was not not expensive for those things not like it would be if i had done it in the us yeah and so you use experiences to help your children practice and not they don't even realize they're doing it right it's almost like the way parents put vegetables into sweets you know there was that whole cookbook for a while that was do you remember that one i think it was actually jerry seinfeld's wife and, and so it was like this idea now. that we're like, we're like slipping in these things and they don't even realize that it's affecting them positively to want to do the very thing that we, we want them to do. I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of sneaky. Like what you're saying, like change is internal. It's not external. If we want our child to do something, it has to come from within themselves. And so our job as a home educator, right, is to draw that forth. So like when I, I see my child and he's struggling, I'm like, well, how does my child, this specific child like to be loved? And if it's like acts of service, it's like, okay, they, you know, we made it through the math and I'm like, Hey, guess what? I organized this part of your room for you. And you know, he's like, well, thank you. Right. He, that, that makes him feel loved. And, and so, and I relate that back to like, thanks for doing a great job with your math, right? Like happy to serve you as well. So I just look for opportunities like that in that area to just draw anything forth that I'm like, I would really like my kids to have the skill or to work on, um, including reading and writing. So France sounds like a, a travel success. You guys, you guys went, you had a good time. Your boys were encouraged. They want to go back. Let's talk about a travel fail, because I think that for someone like you who is accomplished in language and in business and you're doing homeschool, it can be, you know, the Instagram worthy pictures. Sometimes 
people feel like, oh, they have it all together. Oh, everything they, you know, she's got the golden touch. Everything she does comes to fruition. So let's actually wreck that view of you. <laughs> let's get real and talk about how even when we fail, there is still learning to be done. Oh, yes. Okay. So, oh, this, this Costa Rica trip, it's not it's not all of Costa Rica. It was this trip. It was this specific city that we went to. So I don't want to say anything bad about Costa Rica, but it was an absolute fail. So what happened is a really good friend of mine and her husband and her two boys, they really want to travel for a couple of weeks, like every couple of months and go somewhere, but they've only stayed at resorts. So they were really scared to actually go live somewhere. So something special that we do when we travel is we really try to go and get a house, an Airbnb in the neighborhood, go um, and attend, uh, just attend anything we can in the neighborhood to be part of the community. So for Costa Rica, we got Airbnbs that were on the same property and shared a pool. And my husband signed up for jujitsu classes with my son, right? Like it, it seemed good. But when she was showing me where she wanted to go, because I was like, you choose the location, we'll go with you. So she's showing me where she wants to go. Everything in my gut was like, this is a very bad idea. And she had paid someone to choose the location. I think she paid someone to research. She paid like $1,500, right? A lot of money for research. I saw like the debrief and I was like, why am I not charging for this? Like this, it was just, it, I was just like, this looks like such a bad idea. But Costa Rica is very, very special to her family um, because her parents fled Cuba because a lot of her family um, were killed there, right? So this is like a very special place for them before they made it to uh, Florida. So. I was like, all right, let's let's do it because Costa Rica is important to you. I have more experience maybe planning a, a really nice trip in, in Mexico or in Europe. So it was just I I couldn't really help out with it. So so we go to Costa Rica, we get well, we get we're driving in, right? And it's just single lane roads that they have or their major roads. And when you get to a bridge, which there are many, only one car can go by. And if you get behind someone that's really slow, people try to pass, but it's a windy road. So it's just your anxiety is already like through the roof. We had people on the other side of the road almost crash into us several times. So you're just like, will we even like survive it to the Airbnb? So we get we get to the Airbnb um, and it's on a dirt road. And my neck was just like going about. It hurts so bad. It was just this long dirt road. I'm like, how are we on a dirt road? Which is fine, right? It's okay. It's on a dirt road, but it's a very, it's a nice Airbnb. So again, she has paid someone a lot of money to research it. So we're thinking like, it, it, like things should work out well. Well, things that were not mentioned to us, the, the, the town on the beach, we're on a beach town. It didn't have continuous power. It's never something I've ever had to ask at an Airbnb. We checked the internet speed, it was great, but we weren't like, do you always have power? No, so the city doesn't always have power. Then I'm like, okay, well, there's just like power surges that goes out, we can deal with that. Uh, even though I work, you know, I have to work with my team as well. So that, that makes it hard. Then I didn't know this, there were water outages. So I go to like turn to wash my hands and there's no more water in the sink. So I'm like asking in the Airbnb, right? Like, uh, hey, it, like what's going on with the water? And they're like, oh, that happens every day. Just kind of runs out. We don't have enough water to the town, right? So I'm like, oh, okay. And then this was a user error. I couldn't work the shower. So it was cold water 
right? And these are like kind of, you know, to feel good, right? These are like things that I'm like, okay, the car is uncomfortable. There's no water. If there is water, the water's cold. It ended up, I figured out how to get the water warm later, but the first day was just very, very hard. And then my husband, um, he had gone to other grocery stores, but then he took me to a grocery store he hadn't been to. And it reminded me of a grocery store that we were in a town in the town. This was kind of like a similar fail, but it was because it was at, it was after COVID, but they hadn't restored the um, like supply chain, so they were running out of food. So we took me to a grocery store. It was very similar to that, and I was like, "Is there no food? Is there not going to be food again?" Like I started to to panic. And then we went to then he took me to a nicer grocery store. And Jana, I started crying in the nice grocery store when I saw the coconut milk. <laughs> and he's like, "Why are you crying?" And I'm like, "Is they have a nice grocery store?" And like, and you made me feel like I was gonna starve, and right? And he's like, "I didn't make you feel anything." And I was like, "I thought." I thought because I had asked the guy for like where the salt is and it was just like this big bag of salt and I was like I I don't want that salt like I want pink Himalayan salt today <laughs> right it just it I hope Hector stuff. took notes I hope he took notes for well I future. thought how how have you been married to such a high maintenance person for so long that you think that when we walked into that grocery store, you wouldn't say, oh, I've been to the other grocery stores. They're much nicer. To illustrate this grocery store, sorry, I haven't really illustrated how bad it was. I went and grabbed a pineapple because it says three pineapples for the price of one. I grabbed it and immediately this cloud of fruit flies came out of the pineapples at me, Jana, on my hands and arms. Right? Like, I just like, and so I was like, oh my gosh, they have food, but the food's not good. So so then there's like this nicer grocery store. So I'm like, okay, okay, that's okay. So that's like first day there, I lie in the bed, the pillow is terrible. So I'm like, oh my gosh, but like, like that's, that's all right. So our friends get there and then we go to get food and the food is expensive and it's not good. If I spend money on food, I want it to be good, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's just for me, it has to be like that. So we're, we're there for three weeks and we're with really good company. So I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but now my friend is also crying, <laughs> right? She's just like, I chose this place and I thought it was going to be nice. And I was like, I had hesitations. I didn't say it. So I'm also responsible um, because yeah, everybody got sick after eating, eating out the first night. Um, and then it gets better. We're in the Airbnb and we're sleeping and I start having this dream that my husband is taking a shower and I'm like, he already took a shower. What is his deal? And so, and then I, somebody, my husband's having a dream about it. Somebody else in the house is having a dream. And then all of a sudden we woke up and a pipe has burst in the master bathroom and it's flooding the room. So I stand up and I'm just like my socks instantly wet. And I usually plug my laptop in the room so that it's safe near me on the floor, but I just didn't feel well. So I hadn't done that. And I was like, I'm so glad that my throat didn't feel all great. So I didn't plug it in. It would have been gone. So um, I just, I couldn't do it. I put the blanket over me and I just told my husband, just please save me. Just please save me. Are you looking to empower your student with increased autonomy while effortlessly keeping tabs on their academic advancement? Look no further than Bookshark Virtual. Our cutting edge online platform offers students easy access to daily schedules and notes alongside automatically graded assessment questions for seamless monitoring of their knowledge retention. Your subscription provides two logins, one for your student and another one for you, complete with a comprehensive gradebook. 
With Bookshark Virtual, students can enjoy the benefits of literature-based curriculum and delve into exceptional books, all while showcasing their work without the hassle of managing loose papers. This not only fosters their sense of responsibility, but also equips you with a streamlined organizational structure. Go to bookshark.com virtual to receive a free trial today. Learn from mistakes, right? I mean, I know that we, it's kind of been said over and over, but I don't really think that we are truly understanding that failure is really just a first attempt in learning, right? Like we, we are learning from this and you had, you have, you have memories. So there's that, right? You were with another family. And I, I'm wondering if we should have her on the podcast because here, this expectation of going to this place that held all of these things, I think most of us can relate to that even on a smaller scale. Think about the holidays that have just passed. We have all these expectations and we're going to maybe relive something that worked out really well or go back to these warm feelings. And let's be, life is sometimes horrible. I mean, it just is, but we keep going and we do the best that we can. So with this family that you guys had traveled with, they were all also learning Spanish and trying to integrate in with the language. Is that correct? Yeah. So we chose a Spanish speaking country because we, we wanted to speak Spanish and I, and I just want to comment on what you said about these good feelings and wanting to have that, that is what she wanted to have in Costa Rica. She had been there before, she had had a great experience, because I really am saying it was this town. She had this wonderful experience, and so this was just, it was such such a letdown. Um, but the part that was really nice was being together and then, and then doing Spanish together. So um, she had, she had arrived a couple days later than her husband and kids because she had a speaking engagement. And so the day before she arrived, we were, I, her boys came over and they, they're okay. So they are public school students and they have three week breaks because they're on a track schedule. So they wanted to know all about homeschooling and, and what it's like. So they're like, we want to homeschool with you guys, right? So we're like, okay. So they're sitting with us at the table and then we get to Spanish and we pull out our talkbox.mom language guides. And I was like, well, let's let's start with something at the beginning for, for them. So we are asking for, they were very excited to be in Costa Rica to eat pineapple. And then they wanted to get ice cream. So we're like, okay, let's practice asking for pineapple and ice cream. Let's just start there. And then the one little boy, he's about seven years old. And so we're, we're starting our talkbox.mom practice session. And in the session, you choose your phrase like that, and then you practice the phrase. And we practice the phrase with the native speaker audio, so we can get an ear for, ear for it. And then we practice with in situations so that the children feel really empowered to use the phrases themselves. And then we practice with emotions, so you can really own the phrase. Now, once we play the native speaker audio, he was like, wait, we have to say whole sentences? I don't want to do this. And I was like, huh, and I could feel, I could feel a little language trauma in there. And then his brother, who's a little bit older than him, wanted to stay on the couch, right? But he still stayed at the table. So I was like, this is interesting. So after we heard the audio, I was like, that's okay. You can just sit here and observe, like that's totally fine. And so after we did that, we started practicing in different situations. And the situations were, you know, 
we just came up with silly ones like the ice cream is melting, but you want it before it's melting. So how would you ask for the ice cream, right? And so we're, we're doing all these fun situations and then we start doing emotions and we're saying the phrases with the different emotions. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, you guys really need to say it like, and I go, oh, just say it for us. And he's like, no, I can't do that. You know, and he has like this, he's just telling himself that he can't say a full sentence. So I'm like, huh. And I know from my friend that her parents are native Spanish speakers, right? They're from Cuba, they're native Spanish speakers. And so I know that she feels scared to talk in Spanish, but when she's with me, cause we went to Mexico together and she was like starting to speak Spanish and she's like, it's just going really well. And then she's like, but then I was speaking some Spanish. I'm getting hit on. I can't speak Spanish now. Like she's hilarious. Okay. So she's like, when I'm with you, I can speak Spanish so well that I get hit on, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, oh gosh. Okay. So then, so I'm like, okay, I know something's going on there. And I know that her husband, um, he learned Spanish as an adult. So he has some kind of conversational level of Spanish. So, um, so anyway, so the boy really wants to practice with us, but he's just like too nervous, but he's laughing now. And he thinks it's so fun how we're practicing. And then I'm like, well, let's change the scenery. So I'm like, okay, everybody get in the car. And I grabbed our scavenger hunt guide. So when we're in the car during our scavenger, or I had one of the guides and I said um, that I saw something, like I said in Spanish, look, like, look, there, I see clouds. And all the kids, including them, repeated, look, I see clouds in Spanish. And I was like, oh, it's happening. Like, I have enticed it out that they want to say these things. And we were very, very specific, even my kids. Our focus is not on perfection, it's on fun, right? Mm -hmm. And that's so important for kids to feel like they're not performing for their parent. They're practicing with their parents. So when you focus on fun, it really frees you up to actually learn and grow. So they're doing the scavenger hunt in Spanish and they're just like having so much fun. So then the next day, um, my friend arrives and she's like, her husband come and I came and I had a really nice, um, I had the talk box on materials. I made it for them to gift it to them. Like uh, the ones that we were going to be using. She didn't have all of them. So I was like, okay, we're going to use these. So they're very excited. And I was like, we're going to do a practice session together. So we did the practice session and we'd practice saying a phrase. And she was just so impressed that her kids were so excited. She goes, this morning, my kids woke up and they were asking for pineapple in Spanish. And they were telling me how funny Adelaide is and that she was saying the phrases and all these funny voices. And she's like, they're saying that I have to do it with them. And then she said, I went to correct how my child said, said part of the phrase. And my husband stopped me and said, no, we don't do that. Right. Cause that's not, the point is not that it's perfect. She goes, your presence is already in our home. And she's like, it's changing everything. And so we did a practice session with them. And it's just so cute because, you know, the phrases that we're learning, it's in the kids' heads and they're like, they're thinking about it. And one of the boys, he's like, when I was at camp and I finished eating, I said, yeah, termine. And I was thinking about saying, yeah, termine, which is I'm all done. Right. So they're just getting so excited about it. And it was just this really nice healing experience that they needed to have for the language trauma they had. And then my friend explained to me that she had had this trauma because it seemed like an expectation that she should speak Spanish, but she couldn't roll her R's. And so she felt very, you know, like whenever she spoke, they'd say, you know, speak better, say it like this. Right. And so to help her child, she doesn't want other people to say that to him. So she says it to him which is not any better, right? It's like, let us hurt you before other people outside hurt you. But parents do this with anything, spelling, reading. It's like, you wanna point it out before they have this like 
public humiliation or whatever, whatever it is that you're like anxious about. Um, but it's still not not what we want to focus on. So the focus again is on fun and not perfection. And we carry that in everything in our homeschool reading, writing, like we, we want to have fun as we as we do it. So that was a huge huge moment for her her family and their Spanish language journey that her kids are, you know, they went from one sitting on the couch not wanting to be involved, right? And the other child sitting there being like, I'm not going to say a full sentence to actually using their Spanish. So that that was a really fun part of the trip. I think that it, the contrast between what you first presented as like probably one of the worst trips you guys have ever taken as a family, right? Just with all the things to this beautiful story about how it really illustrates like what what was the point i mean you didn't even, the point was that you guys bonded and had fun and that these kids got to enjoy spanish in a way they never had right and and so we as parents have to remember that it's not always the finished product it's really the process and, and let's be honest your process was a bit messy but to come out with this beautiful story of how language really can be fun and exciting I think it's helpful for parents to hear that, you know, there nothing is going to be perfect. Not no homeschool is perfect. No school in general is perfect. Like life isn't perfect. So it's like, what can we take away? How can we live in those positive moments despite the chaos and, you know, disappointments that happen all day long? Yeah. And my 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 friend she also said she's like oh, we're gonna because i was worried they would never travel again they like they would never try to stay in another country for a couple of weeks um but then you know by the end her son is like begging like please homeschool me mom right like begging to be homeschooled because yeah, like you said the kids didn't care that like there is a horse pooping on the premises of the camp right like that wasn't only my son thought maybe we could do that a little better my oldest son but um it was it was just they decided that they will do it again and before we left we already decided our next destination but she was like i will not choose it adelaide please choose it and so we have like a couple of guiding principles that we follow when we do book a trip before we are like okay let's let's yeah like let's choose the airbnb there let's do that and in this trip every single like one of those things was definitely broken and so we're gonna give it another go next year next fall and so i can let you know how it goes i'm sure it will be better it already seems better the story of what this friend's family had kind of the trauma that was created around language i know we've done a podcast before and we really talked about like people don't speak another language because a, they're worried they're going to say it wrong or they're going to be made fun of or they're going to be one they're going to be corrected and nobody likes to feel that way. I mean there's not one person that's like walking around, please correct me on everything that you think I'm doing wrong. Um but there are reasons why families fail to learn another language. And what in your experience have some of those reasons been? Yeah, I think like the biggest reasons before we hit language trauma um already is a lot of the places are just starting in the wrong spot. So we'll have a lot of families that they, they want to speak. And actually, let's say it like this. They want to speak another language, but because of the things, all the things you just mentioned that scare them, they retreat from doing the actual thing they want to achieve. They retreat from speaking. Right. So it's just interesting to get better at riding a bike. You don't just like watch bikes, read about bikes 
figure out how to fix bikes. You have to get on the bike and you need to ride the bike. It's the same thing for speaking a language. A lot of people will want to speak a language, but they'll do everything but speaking in attempts to get better at speaking. So for example, they'll learn the ABCs. They'll learn numbers, they'll learn num colors, right? They're like, let me start there. And that's really where pre people start for preschool. But before preschool, you could already speak a language. You could already use the language, right? So it's just like, that's, that's gonna lead you to failure because saying numbers, letters, and colors only makes you be able to say numbers, letters, and colors. It doesn't have you speaking the language. Then the next thing is just focusing on vocabulary, right? People are like, well, if I increase my vocabulary, I'll speak better. Well, if you work on memorizing vocabulary words, then you'll just be really good at outputting, right? It's not even a fluency thing, it's a translation thing. And so you're really slowing your down, yourself down from being able to speak when you go in that direction. Because in English, when we learn vocabulary words, we learn it in the context of English. So we look up a word and we get the definition in English. And so that makes it a huge difference. When you're doing translation with vocabulary, that's definitely gonna, gonna slow you down. Another people thing people do instead of doing the actual goal retreating from it is grammar. They start with grammar, so they want to learn the logic of the language. If you can learn to speak the language really well, you actually have context for grammar, and this is how we learn grammar in English, right? We teach our kids grammar, and our kids really think about how how does how does it work? Have I had that experience before, right? And they can see the grammar happening. Uh, the fourth way that I see a lot of families fail is that they have foreign language time as separate time. Right? It's in an app. We do foreign language in an app. It's with a tutor. We just do it one hour per week. Whereas language is something that's meant to be communicated. We're learning the language to talk. So that means that you do need to talk throughout the day. So in all of these instances, we're doing shadow activities. That's something that Stephen Pressfield coined. And it's, and it's activities that are in the shadow of your goal. So if you have a goal, it casts a shadow and you're doing all these other things. You're doing the grammar, the vocabulary, the writing, the reading, but you're not actually doing your goal, which is talking. And when you start with your goal, you really focus on the goal of listening and talking. You actually learn all the other parts much faster. Um, I mean, studies show that kids need to clock 20,000 20, hours of listening in preparation for reading in their first language. So why would we start with just reading, you know, in Spanish? Yeah. It, yeah you're gonna be translating it. if you do that. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna be fluency. But it is, it is, that's that feels like the scary part is talking. So when you're so scared to talk, my recommendation first is of course talk in your home. Create an environment where there is no nitpicking, right? There's no making fun of people. Because if you nitpick or you make fun of, your pronunciation is not going to improve. It improves by having fun because when you're having fun, you're not stressed out. When you're not stressed, you can hear better. If you can hear better, you can actually speak. So it's going to improve by having fun over time. And then in align with that, when you go and you talk with people who are outside of your home and you're worried that they're going to be mean to you as you talk, right? Like that's, that's like a scary part. As you step outside your comfort zone, I mean, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. The first is that it's actually classified as a toxic behavior to correct someone as they talk. And I'll give you like an easy example so you can see that. If there was somebody from another country and they asked me and they said like, where bathroom? And I'm like, it's where is the bathroom? Right? You'd be like, whoa, yikes, that lady, right? Yeah. Right? You can already feel it. So it's just, it's interesting, like we, we usually don't correct people, like when we're kind, we're just like, oh, let me just show you where the bathroom is, 
We're very kind about it. So then it's like, well, who are the people that are correcting? And, and oftentimes behaviors like this, people don't mean to do those behaviors. It's just happening. And it comes from that, that mentality of like, I, I better let you know before somebody else lets you know, right? Like we talked about before. And so you'll often see, see people who are like, yeah, they're like, it needs to be said like this or like that. But the problem with that is that's not going to help you to improve. And so whenever I get in a situation like that where someone's like trying to tell me something and they want me to have this instant perfection, which is absolutely unrealistic, I always pull out my phone and I turn on my voice recorder and I say, oh, it sounds like you'd like to help me. Would you say it for me? And then I can listen to it for a couple of days. And by then I'll probably sound really good at it. Right. So now I've had them help me. And they can't go on about what's happening because I've already given my boundary. And that's what we do when we have a toxic behavior. We just have to set up a boundary and then we can feel really good. And so, so I'll do that. Um, in our phrase book, we have a toolbox area that helps you as you step outside your comfort zone and talk with other native speakers. Most of the time, people are going to be kind. Like most of the time they're going to be. So whenever you get into the point where you're like, uh-oh, um, but as you're talking, you don't have to know every word. You can get the general sense of the idea, but when you hear like a repeated word or it sounds critical, it's we, you can use our toolbox to like ask what the word means and to start using that and to start talking. Um, as you use your phrases at home, you start to feel more confident at home. You feel more comfortable. People, it's a safe place to learn. So then when you go into those other situations, you feel prepared to talk, you feel prepared to ask questions, and you also feel stronger if somebody does kind of come at you and let you know like you're not good enough you're like of course i'm not i'm learning <laughs> like we're all on the same page there right um it's okay to make mistakes i mean we have to make mistakes as we as we learn to talk so it shouldn't feel it shouldn't feel like a bad thing it's something that you want to do you want to feel really fast you want to get in those situations and make mistakes learn from them and, and keep going and if someone's mean they're mean Right. It's, it's on, it's on them, right? That that's their yeah. problem. That has nothing to, that's not about you. You have nothing to do with you. Um, I think these principles that you're talking about can very easily translate into any, uh, learning situation, homeschool or not, because if we create space to mess up, like, of course we're not, you know, I've said to my kids, math is something that just doesn't come as natural as some of the other subjects in our family. And so they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, of course, you don't know what you're doing. Like, quit expecting. Like, we put that expectation on ourselves as parents. Of course, you don't know how to homeschool. You've never homeschooled before. Like, give yourself a break and and just start and see how the where the process takes you. But the same thing, I think our kids see it, that we do it to ourselves and then we start doing it to them. It's like, well, I I don't know how to do it. It's like, of course you don't because we haven't taught it yet. Like, it's I don't know. I just wish that we kind of lived in this space more not only as homeschool parents, but also just as human beings, like, yeah, yeah. like we're here, Thanks. here to learn. Okay. I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but the reason that I decided, like the biggest reason that I decided to homeschool, like what absolutely broke me. And I was like, we are homeschooling unapologetically is that I wanted my kids to have the space to fail. I did not like that that teachers expected me to rescue my child if my child didn't get their work done. My child should have consequences for not getting their work done. That doesn't involve mom doing a whole workbook and a night with them as they cry, right? 
Yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense. I wanted my kids to have space to fail. Um, and so my son who that started with my first son, um, cause we homeschooled and then we, we did a little bit of private school. And then I was like, mm -mm, I'm not paying you to have me homeschool my kid at night. Like that is not happening. Right. Cause we're just like doing the work that he didn't do during the day. And it's just very, very nice. He's 13 now. So we can, we have like, we can kind of look back on the journey a bit, but I asked him, I go, it was so hard with you at the beginning. And he's like, yeah, I didn't think I'd ever need reading and writing. It didn't just, it didn't seem like something essential for my life. Right. So he didn't want to do it. And so I was given space to allow him to fail and then he and then use a true education, which is changing from within, not forcing a child to workbook, right? To change from within to have like this love for reading and like, you know what? That's something that I would love to do. I want to read these books. I want to hear these stories. I, I want to write my own stories. I, I, you know, just having that huge change. So now, yes, he can read and he can try. <laughs> Yeah. And, and we're so as a society that's set up for perfection. I mean, now I think more than ever with social media and being able to stage everything and Photoshop and do everything. So right. The idea of failure is not even an option is so ridiculous and contrary to a natural environment for learning because, you know, scientists will tell you, you have to fail and then come back and reassess and and make some more predictions and do it again. So I, I'm grieved that it's acceptable in some areas. So if you're learning a, a second language, like, okay, maybe we can agree that we can fail there. Or if you're doing a science experiment, sure, that makes sense that you would fail. And it's like, the truth is, every moment of our lives are, are an opportunity in this area to just be comfortable in the uncomfortable of not knowing and failing and not doing it right. And if we as parents can model that for our children, what an amazing generation we can put forth next, you know, for the next generation that they can just be like, yeah, we want to do our very best, but we understand that in that process, we're going to fail, but yeah, that's how it's going to And yeah, that's where I want my kids to live in as we homeschool. And that's where I want to live in when I homeschool. And so something that I do on a weekly basis with the kids and then a like monthly basis for the household is I just review the week with them and I ask them like, what do you want to keep doing? What do you want to improve? What do you want to start doing? What do you want to stop doing? And it's given me so much insight into what my kids need to be able to feel like they can fail and move forward. So like my son Darian, when he was really struggling with um, math, he would do one problem and he would sit there, Janet, and he wouldn't do the next problem. And I'm like, you need to do number two. And he's like, okay. And then he would do it. And then he would stop. And I'm like, okay, you have to do number three. And I'm like, I can't homeschool like this, like other, I can't homeschool all the kids and have you do this, right? So in our after action review, I'm like, hey, I need you to stop <laughs> just stopping as you do it. Like what, what is going on? He's like, well, I just need to feel, he just wanted to feel like he was in the right direction. He just wanted to feel like secure in that. And so he's, I said, well, what would make you feel secure in that? And he's like, I want... I want flashing lights to go off when I uh, finish a math problem. And I'm like, done, everybody get in the car. We're going to Party City. We went to Party City. We found like this string of lights. He would do a math problem. He would push the button three times. The lights would flash and then he would go on to the next problem. Like that's all, that's all he needed. And so I feel like these, these, these reviews that I do at the end, it, it tells my kids like, yeah, we are going to fail every week. And so then at the end, we can just decide, do we want to keep doing it how we're doing it? what do we want to improve? It spells KISS, K-I-S-S, -S, right? 
keep, improve, start doing, stop doing. Um, we do have a rule. We can't like just stop doing school. We can't stop doing math. Like that's, that's not going to get us to our goals. Um, but that helps us live in this, this area where we can fail very fast. We can fail every week, but yet we can keep succeeding and improving. Yeah. Well, I think that's an amazing homeschool hack that you just shared. And so hopefully our listeners will take that to heart and really just get comfortable with some of these concepts that we've been talking about to just be okay with things not working out with, um, you know, being in situations that are very uncomfortable and you would not pay to be in them again. Um, but but knowing that in everything, you know, there's always a silver lining, right? And so I think just sometimes we have to remember that, especially as homeschool parents, like good days, bad days, in the long run, in the final goal, it is always worth it when you and your family decide that this is the type of education you want to do. Adelaide, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And we will put links in the notes for topbox.mom. We do want to announce that Bookshark is now carrying topbox.mom as an elective. So you can check um, them out at Bookshark's website, but we'll put links in the notes. We want to just thank you guys um, so much for listening. So until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.